this episode, we're going to be exploring Caribbean superstitions. This is What Good, brought to you by Talking Tales and hosted by storyteller Keisha Christie. Oral traditions is an inaugural part of who we are and preserves our culture. Join us every week as we gather and we share stories and talk culture. Gather together your family and friends, learn something new, reminisce about the old days, and most of all, What Good. Welcome to another episode of What Good. I'm your storyteller, Keisha Christie. And in this episode, we are completing part two of our Do Caribbean People Believe in Halloween Spooky Paranormal miniseries. As the season is arriving and we are getting closer to the day where people are running from ghosts and other things, in the Caribbean, we don't really celebrate Halloween, but that doesn't mean that we do not believe in things that go bump in the night. And in this episode, we're going to be exploring Caribbean superstitions. In the Caribbean, no matter what island you are from or whether you're north or south, small island, big island, there are certain things that we all would agree we all believe in. And those are some of the prominent, outstanding folklore characters that really only scare us at night. Some of the stories were to frighten little children into good behavior. Others were to scare men into proper behavior, as well as stories that just gave us all a little bit of a fright. And we're going to look at some of the most um, prominent superstitions for this season. First, we're going to start with Old Hag, our Sukuna. Now, she goes this Shapeshifter goes by many names, usually appearing as an old woman by day who sheds her skin at night and then places the skin in a calabash or a mortar of sorts and then wanders uh, the earth as a fireball in search of victims, which are usually children or babies, to feast on their blood. Now, to expose the old hag, you would have to pour rice on your doorstep and she would be compelled to count every single grain. You could also go to the place where the calabash or mortar is held and put uh, salt or hot peppers in that calabash in order to damage the skin so that uh, old head could not return to it. In Trinidad, they have the Dwin, which are malevolent spirits of unbaptized children. They have no faces and their face is hidden by a cap and their feet are turned backwards to avoid being followed. They, what they do is they call living children to come out to play in the forest where those children are then lost or killed. In Guyana and Barbados, they believe in Baku and Baku is similar to the Arabic genie or the Irish leprechaun. The Baku is a small mischievous spirit who is compelled to do the bidding of the person who uh, captures them in a bottle. And they would be commanded to do the things, obviously, that the captor does not want to do. They can also bring good fortune to their captor by providing them with wealth if asked to supply that by the captor. Next, we're going to go to Jamaica and the rolling cap. 
You can recognize the sound of rolling calf from a long ways away because it is the sound of rattling chains that is the telltale warning sign of rolling calf. Rolling calf is a dopey with fiery, fury eyes and the it trails this clanging chain behind it. It's said that it is to be spirits of deceased persons who were wicked in life, whether they were butchers or murderers, and they would return as rolling calf. They appear on moonless nights, blocking roads or um, chasing unlucky travelers. They can be um, repelled by sticking an open knife into the ground or by threatening them with a tarred whip. They're said to be afraid of that. To round out this group, we are going to touch in Barbados where they have the heart man. And the heart man is depicted as a person who carves out the heart of its victims, uh, said to be disobedient children, and offers them to the devil in worship. No, it's said that this person waits in tall sugarcane or drives a black hearse and doesn't have a heart of their own. There are also a long list of places in the Caribbean that are said to have uh, dopies, spirits, or other um, folklore that is passed down from town to town and island to island. But we'd have to visit some of those on another day. Now, let's get into a few stories. I promised that we would be sharing stories this week, and they won't be too scary. I'll be with you every step of the way, so let's get into it. The first story I'm going to share with you is from Jamaica, and it is called Hungry Belly Husband, and it comes in a number of variations, depending on which island that you are from. Here we go. There was once a girl named Grace, and her mother was Penny. And Penny was a widower and wondered who would want to marry her daughter. Now, they lived in the same town for a very long time and everybody knew each other. However, Grace wanted to marry a rich man. So none of the gentlemen in the town ever caught her fancy, nor was she in, she was not interested in any one of them. The more suitors came, the more she turned them down. Until one day, a stranger came to town. Mm. He was tall and dressed well in suits and shiny shoes. And Grace turned to her mother, Penny, and said, that is the man that I am going to marry. Now, there was a lot to be said about this stranger. He kind of came in and didn't really talk much. And the mystery, I guess, was the lure that Grace had. So Grace quickly got the attention of the stranger and the two began courting. They were fell in love really fast. And in a matter of maybe a week or two, they were married. And this gentleman bought grace a big house on the hill furnished it with everything that she wanted and grace never wanted for anything one time she washed her clothes and she broke her fingernail and the next day there was a maid to do all the washing another day she cooked and the oil splashed up and there was someone to do the cooking he didn't want anything to happen to this precious grace now this gentleman's name was sylvester slither he was such a nice man. He didn't really say much. But over time, throughout the year that they were married, they would go to different events and they would host events, but he would never eat. And so finally, Penny wondered one day and she said to her daughter, how come it is that your husband doesn't eat? 
And Grace says, well, I don't know. I Maybe that's how he keeps slim and trim. You'd have to ask him. So, of course, Penny went to ask him and said, how come is he said I never see you eating? And, of course, Sylvester said, well, I only hungry for your daughter. Well, Penny thought, wow, that was so romantic. And she went back and she told Grace, your husband is only hungry for you. Isn't that so nice? On their one-year anniversary, they planned a big event and many members of the town came and Penny cooked as many, many others did and they laughed and danced and ate well into the night. And again, Penny raised the question, why are you not eating? There's so much food here. And Sylvester said, you know what? <clears throat> I'm really starting to feel hungry. So Penny called Grace and Grace came over. And Sylvester said, I'm really starting to feel hungry. So why don't you come with me? Grace says, I'll, I will prepare you anything that you want to eat. Let me know what you want to eat. He says, I only hunger for you. And upstairs, the newlyweds went. When they were in the bedroom, Grace asked him again, what would you like me to prepare for you? And he says, just prepare yourself. Well, she blushed, thinking that, that he wanted to spend quality time quote-unquote, with his wife. But then he came and she thought that he was going to kiss her, but his mouth opened wide and out of his mouth came the tongue with two forks, like a snake's tongue. And she looks at it thinking, oh my goodness. He laid her down on the bed by knocking her off of her feet and she went thud to the bed. And by this time, all the guests were heading home and Penny was downstairs cleaning up Thinking that the newlyweds were spending quote-unquote quality time together, she just chuckled to herself. And Sylvester opened his mouth even wider and began to slide her feet into his mouth. And he came up to her knees and up to her hips. And Grace started to scream out for her mother, help me, help me, my husband is eating me. And Penny thought, oh, isn't that so sweet? And continued washing the dishes. But then Grace's cries became more frantic and more panicked. And so Penny left what she was doing and ran upstairs and couldn't quite get the door open. So she kept calling and Sylvester kept calling back saying that he was just trying to be a good husband. And the more her daughter cried, as the more she tried to get into this room until the daughter's voice became a muffle and then it became nothing. And by that time, Penny finally burst into the room and the only thing she saw was a large silver snake on the middle of the bed. Then she realized what had happened is that the snake had eaten her daughter. So she ran out into the town looking for help, banging on doors. Help me, help me, you have to kill the snake. And she banged and banged and banged on all the doors. But everyone was drunk or so full of food that they were sleeping soundly and no one heard her cries. By the time she got someone's attention and got back to the house, the snake was gone. Her daughter was gone. And to this day, you can still hear Penny banging throughout the town. You have to kill the snake. You have to kill the snake. But unfortunately, her daughter paid the ultimate price for marrying a stranger. This next story is called Put Me Back Where You Find Me. There was a young baby found underneath a silk cotton tree. And the man who was passing by felt sorry for the child left alone under the tree, picked up the child and decided that he and his wife would care for the baby. 
But when he brought the baby home, his joy turned to terror very, very quickly. Not only did the baby eat and eat and eat and grow bigger and bigger and stronger and larger, the baby turned out to have these hairy legs and arms and talons like nails wrapped themselves around the man and started to squeeze the life out of him. His wife could not pull the strange child off of the man they called the pastor. The pastor came and said prayers and that didn't work. It did not stop the creature from choking the man until the pastor said, we have to pray to forgive their sin. And so they prayed, everyone prayed in the house. They prayed, they prayed and prayed until they were able to tear the creature off of the man who hissed, don't hold me down, just put me back where you find me. And the creature tried to grasp again to the man and they were able to keep it off and they wrapped it up and carried it all the way back to the cotton tree. And by now the man was so weak that he fell to the ground, rolling the creature back towards the tree. And the creature again kept repeating to them that they don't, he doesn't want to be made holy, just put him back. And the more he called and the closer they got to the tree, the baby grew smaller, the creature grew smaller and smaller and smaller until it went back to the size of the baby that the man had first found. The man could then breathe again and his wife cried in relief. So when they finally reached the tree and placed the baby back, the baby was sleeping so peacefully and the man laid it gently down and the teller said to caution everyone not to get in trouble or touch the baby under the cotton tree. Thank you for joining us for another episode of What Good. Join us next week as we upload new episodes every Tuesday for your enjoyment. And as we always say, gather your friends and your family, learn something new, reminisce about the old days, and as always, What Good.